Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning, and thank you for being here this morning. I am Pastor Mike, if we had not had the chance to meet yet. I have a quick announcement for you before we jump into the message this morning. If you are new or newer here at Bible Center, and when I say that, that could be in the last year, maybe even two years you started coming to Bible Center, or maybe you're someone who just still is trying to figure out how to connect and meet people here. We have something for you this Wednesday night. We're doing hot dogs and hamburgers right out here in the North Woods. Uh, we'd love to feed you. The details are on this slide behind me. Um, so you can just check that out. It'll also be on the website. Uh, we'd love to have you come out. It's time just to hang out, meet people, get to know people. So you've got folks here who know you by name. So come check that out. So as John mentioned earlier, this summer we've been focused on beholding our God. And we're doing that because we learn from Scripture as we behold the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, is he radically changes us, like you're never the same. As you get to know what he's like, who he is, what he does, how he functions in your life, you'll walk away different. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're gonna be studying him for the next month. You might think, why would we spend a whole month on the Holy Spirit? I guarantee by the end of August, you're gonna feel like we just haven't done enough. There's so much there about God the Spirit. Today, we're gonna to look at who he is and what he's like. Next week, we're gonna look at what he does. How does he work? The following week, we're gonna look at what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We're commanded to be filled. How do we as Christians do that? And then the final week, we're gonna look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, which is just a really great example. What does it look like to walk hand in hand with the Holy Spirit through life? Because Jesus did. And he's our example. So we'll look to him and learn from him in that last week. Uh, so as we look at the Holy Spirit, I just, it's obvious for most of us that it's not an easy subject. Uh, even in my five years I've been here, I don't think we've really tackled much time talking about the Holy Spirit. So when I bring him up, uh, sometimes I think we can view it this way. We see the Trinity as the Father, the Son, and the other guy. I think sometimes when we think about the Holy Spirit, we go back to older translations that used to call him the Holy Ghost. They would take that Greek word for spirit and translate it ghost, which isn't bad, but it does cause this like mysterious, ominous feel when you read Holy Ghost. Um, also, it's difficult to picture in our mind what he looks like. Throughout the Old Testament, we're given pictures of what the Father looks like, Jesus walked on earth and we have descriptions, but the Holy Spirit, there's not really a picture. So it's really easy to go to movies. Like we think of them as like the force, like, you know, a little Jedi mind trick. Or you think of them as like something that comes from other, some other sci-fi movie, like almost like a force field, but that is not who the Holy Spirit is. We're gonna learn today that he's a actual divine person. Sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit as more of an it than a he. And sometimes as Christians, we get really nervous to talk too much about him, while other Christians think we should talk about him all the time. So no matter where you are, I think today's gonna be a good first step as we talk about who he is and what he is like. And when it comes to that discussion, God's word must dictate how much time we spend talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not your preference or my preference, and we can't also let our minds be shaped on what the Holy Spirit is like by what we've seen on television or even experiences that we've had. God's word must lead the way in telling us who he is and what the Holy Spirit is like. 
we center this month on God's word. And from God's word, we learn about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Jesus himself spends quite a bit of time talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit. Like he emphasizes how important it's going to be for them to know and be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a point in time near the end of Jesus's life. He's been with the disciples for about three years. He's really built into them. I mean, he's been like a companion, a counselor, the Lord himself walking with these guys and his other followers for about three years. Like they have a legitimate relationship with Jesus. And then Jesus finally tells them near the end, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to then raise from the dead I'm going to return to my father. And there's a point there in John 13 and 14 where it kind of settles in and the, the disciples finally hear him. He's been saying it for a while, but now it just kind of hits. You mean that you're going to be gone? And the passage tells us that the disciples begin getting filled with anxiety. Their stress levels go up. There's fear that starts to settle into their hearts. Like, how are we going to do this without you? And Jesus in response to their anxiety, in response to their fear and this unknown future, he says, there's an answer to all of those things. And Jesus basically points right to the Holy Spirit and says, the Holy Spirit is the answer. It's the Holy Spirit who's gonna take care of your anxiety. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to deal with your stress. It's the Holy Spirit who's gonna take those clouds on the horizon and part them and lead you and direct you and where to go and your next steps. The Holy Spirit is the answer. So Jesus points to the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows who and what the disciples are going to need. His closest friends, his followers, those that he loved, he knows what they're going to need. And his answer is they're going to need the Holy Spirit. So today, kind of our big thought is this, we're going to work through this sentence this phrase piece by piece, is Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be our divine and personal command companion. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. It's his intention. It's been his plan for the church for all time to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God, he's divine, and he's personal, and he will walk with us on this journey like a companion. Now, my wife and I have been raising my son Luke for 18 years now. We've done our best to prepare him for what comes next. What comes next is on Thursday, we're gonna pack up our car and take him to WVU and drop him off. Um, <clears throat> I was a little nervous to even talk about this today, just not sure how this is gonna come across as it comes out of me, but like we've given it all we've got to prepare him for life, to prepare him to walk with the Lord, to have the wisdom to make decisions in hard moments to think through peer pressure, to think through who you should be friends with and who maybe you shouldn't be friends with. There's a whole lot there to spend time with Luke and talk with Luke about, to prepare him. But when we drop him off, the relationship changes a bit. He's not there anymore. We went to dinner last night. I got to look at him across from the table and talk to him and that's not gonna happen. There's a phone and there's text messaging, but the relationship is gonna change. But for both my wife, Jen, and I, we know that the same message that Jesus had for the disciples is the message that brings some solace to my heart. He has the Holy Spirit. Because my son knows Jesus, my son has the Holy Spirit in his life. 
And where I can't direct him in the way that I did before, the Holy Spirit's gonna direct him. Where he maybe can't lean on me, he can lean on the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's going to be in my place, always has been, but even feels more true now than ever. He's the one that's going to take better care of Luke than I could have ever taken care of Luke, me or my wife combined. The Holy Spirit is Luke's forever divine and personal companion, not his dad, not his mom. So there's gonna give me some peace when I drop him off on Thursday that the Holy Spirit, the Lord has got this. He's got him and he's gonna direct and lead him. So one of the first things that sticks out is, is Jesus who has sent the Holy Spirit. With intentionality and purpose, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 26, it says this. Jesus is speaking and he says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. There's a couple of things that stick out about this verse, but the first thing I want you to notice is the sending nature of the Trinity. The sending nature of the Trinity. If we go to John 20, 21, Jesus is looking at the disciples and he says, as the Father has sent me, I will send you. So the Father has sent the Son. The Father has sent the Son. And in this verse, Jesus says, when I return to the Father, the Father and I are going to send the Spirit. So Jesus is a sent one. The Holy Spirit is a sent one. And if you remember what I said, what the verse said in John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I send you. You're a sent one. We get to share in this sending nature of the Trinity. We are sent ones. We're going to be given the Holy Spirit when we believe, and then we are part of the sending of the Trinity to see lives change, to see a world change. This is a aspect of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is sent. Greg Allison says it this way. He says, just as Jesus is the sent one who is fully dependent on and obedient to the Father, so the Spirit is sent by both the Father and Jesus. So why? Why would Jesus send the Spirit? John 14, 16 answers that. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now, depending on what translation you have, it might say helper, it might say advocate, or it might say counselor. Why? So that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you, you know him. Why? Because he remains with you and will be in you. So there's a couple of things I want us to pull out of this verse and to look at. Number one is this idea of helper. The Greek word there is the word parakletos, and it means helper. It means one who comes alongside to assist, to bring support. It can mean counselor. It can mean advocate, one who speaks for the person. But that's what he's saying about the Holy Spirit. He is all of those things. He's a companion for us in this life. And it goes on in that verse to describe three different ways in which he's with us. It says, he remains 
with you. So the Holy Spirit is with us, around us, and it says he will be in you. He will reside in us. And finally, he says, he may be with you forever. So the Holy Spirit as our parakletos, as our helper, as our counselor, as the one who come alongside, comes alongside us is with us, in us forever. That's a huge reality, a huge promise given to us by Jesus. Also from the verse, it's interesting to say that the Father's going to give you another helper, another helper. Well, who is the first helper? If the Holy Spirit's another helper or the second helper, who's the first? Jesus is the first companion that the disciples had. Jesus was the one who came alongside them. Jesus spent time with them. But then as Jesus returns to the Father, this is another helper, the next counselor, the next companion who will come alongside them. So it was Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit steps into Jesus's role as Jesus returns to the Father. And the Spirit is their forever companion throughout this life. So we know the Spirit is sent from the Father and the Son is our companion. But the next question we have to ask is, who is the Holy Spirit and what is he like? So we know he's sent, but who is he? And what is he like? The scriptures are gonna teach us two things very clearly. One, he's divine. Two, he's personal. He is divine. So the Bible Center Statement of Faith says it this way. The Holy Spirit is a divine person, not a power, force, or influence. As a member of the Trinity, he fully shares in all divine perfections, attributes, and nature. He, the Holy Spirit, is to be worshiped, obeyed, trusted, and served along with God the Father and God the Son. Now, I'm gonna throw a couple of verses at you about the Holy Spirit being God. There's a whole bunch. I'm just gonna throw a couple because I think they prove the point pretty easily. In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now the Lord is the Spirit. I mean, it's we're kind of done right there. Is the Holy Spirit the Lord? Yep, he is. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus kind of says it this way. Basically, when you're baptizing, I want you to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he puts those three things together, he's basically saying there's some equality in nature and value. The Father, Son, and the Spirit, all of the same value. So that putting those, the three together means something. There's significance to that. In 1 Peter, we see the three of them put together again in terms of salvation and redemption. It says this, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. The foreknowledge of the Father, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to the obedience of the Son. All three play crucial roles and are all involved in us being saved, the redemptive process. So here's something I want you to wrap your head around. This is something that we're gonna keep learning for the rest of our lives. It's as a part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is distinctly the Spirit. And at the same time, he is one with the Father and the Son. 
The Trinity is beyond human comprehension. Like we can kind of get it and you're always gonna kind of not get it. So this statement is setting up where we're gonna go for a little bit. I think the next verse is kind of hard, but the Holy Spirit is distinctly the Spirit. But at the same time, he is one with the Father and he is one with the Son. Both are true at the same time. Romans 8, 9 teaches us this in just one verse. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God, the father dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. In one verse, the Holy Spirit is referenced three different ways. Spirit, spirit of God, and spirit of Christ. All are being used interchangeably. In fact, they're used interchangeably all the time. It can be said to have the spirit is to have the son. He is distinctly the spirit, but at the same time, he is one with the Trinity. He can be called the spirit of God or he can be called the spirit of Christ. There is a oneness that goes along with distinction. So Jesus was walking with the disciples and the disciples asked him in John 14, could you just show us the father? If you show us the father, that'll be enough. Like that's really all we want. Can you show us the father? And then Jesus in verse nine says, if you've seen me, you've already seen the father. Jesus fully and completely reveals the father. To see Jesus is to see the father. In similar fashion, to know and experience the Holy Spirit is to know and experience Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit, and at the same time, he is the Spirit of Christ. He is the Holy Spirit, and he is the Spirit of Christ. To know Jesus is to know the Father. To know the Spirit is to know Jesus. Those two things just go together. Listen to Jesus' words in John 14, 18. He has just said, I'm going to send the Spirit. He said, I'm leaving I'm sending the Spirit. And then he says this to them. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming to them. But because there's oneness, he can say, I am coming to you. In the Great Commission, he says, I'm going to be with you always because the Spirit of Christ dwells in us, who is the Holy Spirit. Distinction and oneness. So what have we learned so far? One, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is one with the Father and Son and he's distinctly the Spirit. He can fully represent and reveal Jesus. To know the Spirit is to know Jesus. He is forever sent from the Father and the Son. So what we're saying is he's divine, he's God. So therefore, to downplay the Holy Spirit is to downplay God himself. Hear that again, because there's a tendency in us to do this. To downplay the Holy Spirit is to downplay God himself. And I wanna be honest with you, there's a tendency in me to wanna downplay the subject of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. I remember back in my college days, I was a part of a ministry and we were super focused on evangelism and discipleship. We spent tons of time in Bible studies, studying God's word, getting to know him. And we kind of had this mission. 
where we wanted to share the gospel with so many people every single year on the college campus that we were at. Then a couple of the folks from our group went to a different church that we had not been to. After just one week at that church, they came back to our group and they started telling us, if you don't have some outward sign of the Holy Spirit in your life, an outward sign, then you are like a second tier Christian. So what they started doing is they started pushing all of us. If there's not some clear, distinct sign that you have the Holy Spirit outwardly, you're less than what you should be. So all of a sudden there's this conflict going on where most of us would say, if the Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate himself, he will. And they're saying, this must happen or you're less than what you should be spiritually. So all of a sudden we had some folks who were pretty aggressive with us. And I'll be honest, for those couple months, we stopped thinking about evangelism. We stopped focusing on discipleship and we had, we had a parting of the ways because it was just, it was aggressive. So we parted ways. And those folks, their job they felt was to evangelize Christians to have an outward sign of the Holy Spirit, where we felt like our call was to make disciples. So for me, from that experience, it does make me a little nervous. But here's the thing. My experience does not dictate how often I get to teach about the Holy Spirit. The Bible dictates how often I talk about the Holy Spirit. So I cannot downplay the Holy Spirit or I'm downplaying God himself. So regardless of your background, your experience, good or bad or painful, we cannot downplay the Holy Spirit. He is God, he is divine, and he's central in our life as Christians. So an application piece, and you heard this in the statement of faith that we had earlier, if the Holy Spirit is God, then he is to be worshiped, glorified. Sometimes when we sing, we talk about the Spirit while we're singing because he is to be worshiped. He is to be honored. He is to be obeyed. When the Spirit takes the Word of God and impresses it on your heart, we obey Him because it's God who's impressing it upon our heart. And the Holy Spirit can be trusted and He can be followed. And we're gonna go deeper into those application points as we go through the next couple sermons. So back to our big idea, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be our divine and personal companion. So we hit the divine part, let's go into personal. First off, the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. He dwells inside of you. If you've placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have received the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 1.13, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed, imagine like putting a letter into an envelope and then you seal it. It's not something that you do, it's something that God does. When you place your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord, that he died on the cross in your place and you receive his forgiveness, you also receive his spirit. And it's put inside of you and God seals him inside of you until the day you see him face to face. You now have the Holy Spirit until you enter heaven and see God face to face. So he's so personal in that he lives inside of us. Another verse that talks about that is Galatians 4, 6. It says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Because we are sons and daughters of God, we've been given the Holy Spirit in our hearts. 
Biblically, that's like the deepest part of who you are. Whenever the Bible talks about your heart, it's like the deepest part of who you are. And the Holy Spirit now resides there. He's made his residence there. He lives there. In your deepest parts, the Holy Spirit dwells and makes his abode with you forever. And he'll even cry out in and through you, Abba, Father, because the Holy Spirit helps you fall in love with God the Son and God the Father. When we talk about him being personal, this verse kind of sticks out. Romans 15, 30 says, Now I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. By the love of the Spirit. We know that we're loved by the Father. We know that we are loved by the Son, but we are also loved by the Spirit. And in the Spirit's love, we learn to love one another. The Spirit loves, He's personal. Like the longings, the desires, what love is, the Holy Spirit has that. And He has those feelings and desires and that commitment, just like the Father and the Son. Another interesting verse that talks about the personal nature of the Holy Spirit is Ephesians 4.30, where it talks about him grieving, grieving. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In context here, the grief is coming from folks who are becoming selfish and they're hurting one another and they're creating division and there's bitterness between two groups. So it would be kind of like this. Say you have two people, maybe family members or good friends that you really care about and you really love. And then you watch them just go into conflict with one another. And that relationship is broken. And now there's division. It's grieving to you, isn't it? Like it's so hard to watch that happen. That's what this is describing here in Ephesians 4. This is what the Holy Spirit goes through. When the body of Christ is divided, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Like it actually grieves him. There's sadness when he watches brothers and sisters have bitterness, division, hostility with one another. The Holy Spirit cares that much. He's personal. Romans 8.4 has this great picture of the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. It says, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. We walk with the Spirit. Walking is this picture of a lifestyle. It's, it's one step after another step going in a direction over time. It says the Holy Spirit is walking with us. He's making this journey with us. This describes a relationship. It points to the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. So you might ask me, as we're talking about this personal nature, as we're talking about walking with the Spirit, you might say, Mike, in my daily life as I walk with the Spirit, how do I know in my head as I'm thinking about things and desiring things, how do I know if it's the Spirit, my own thoughts, or indigestion? Like, how do I know which one of those things it is? I mean, if you're trying to walk deeply with Him, how do you know when it's Him? We're gonna go deeper into this in a minute, but my first, first brush at this is this. The Spirit actively works in and through the Word of God, reminding us of the Word of God, applying the Word of God to different parts of our life and our relationships. The Holy Spirit is also convicting us 
of what we're not doing based upon the word of God, and he directs us based upon the word of God. So oftentimes the Holy Spirit is working in conjunction with the word of God. If your thoughts have nothing to do with what the Bible's talking about, then, well, it may or may not be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never, ever, ever contradicts the word of God or the will of God. So if it feels like you're being directed to do something that is questionable, that's not the Holy Spirit. You ate too much spaghetti. It's the indigestion thing. Like that's not the Holy Spirit. So it's important for us to know that. Another verse about the personal nature of the Holy Spirit is he leads us. He walks with us, but then he also leads us. In Romans 8, 14, it says, for all who are being led by the Holy Spirit, these are the sons of God. Being led ongoingly, consistently, daily being led by the Spirit of God. This is an ongoing thing. This is simply how the child of God is to live, always being led, directed by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so does the Holy Spirit actively tell me which car I should buy, what neighborhood I should live in, what house I should buy? Does the Holy Spirit tell us what outfit we should wear each day? Like, did he pick out this shirt for me today? At what level is the Holy Spirit involved with us? When it comes to Philip in Acts chapter eight, there was a point where the Holy Spirit said, go talk to the guy in the chariot. That was pretty detailed, right? Well, what about today? Does he, is he that detailed today? I'm going to give you my opinion here, okay? I want you to make a distinction between what God's word says and what I'm about to say. This is my opinion. You can take it, you can leave it. It's just an opinion. This is how I've kind of worked through it, kind of where I am at the moment. There is not a verse that directly says the Holy Spirit's gonna pick out your clothing. But I also know that the Holy Spirit seemed to have directed John the Baptist to wear camel hair, right? So like he doesn't say that he's going to, but you see some interesting things where sometimes God does call someone to wear something. Jeremiah, sackcloth and ashes. Some folks feel the leading of the Holy Spirit in the minutia of their life. Like in the little things, they just feel the sensing of God's spirit. Other Christians really only sense the spirit of God's leading in the big things in life. Christians have differing levels of intimacy and interaction with the Holy Spirit throughout their life. And I would say that's okay. If someone tells me, God directed me this morning to wear short sleeves instead of long sleeves, okay? I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna like say it. I'm just gonna say, okay, but inside, you know, I'm just having thoughts like, I'm not sure if that was the Holy Spirit. I think you just, I think it's hot outside. So you wore a short sleeve shirt. And I could be totally wrong. Someone else comes up to me and says, I think the Holy Spirit is impressing upon me my need to talk to my neighbor, to grab coffee and just find out how they're doing, where they're at in their relationship with the Lord. I'm gonna be much more apt to say, that sounds like something the Holy Spirit would do. Because it's right in conjunction with what the word of God tells us to do. So here's something that's not my opinion. Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit will never lead you in a way that is contrary to Scripture. He will never lead you towards selfishness. 
He will never lead you towards self-promotion. He will never lead you towards self-centeredness. If any of those things are coming into play with your decisions and you're choosing those things, that's not the Holy Spirit, that's you. That's not my opinion. That's the way that goes. If the guidance is towards humility, conviction, making more of Christ, making less of us and seeing us transformed into the image of Jesus, that is likely the spirit of God because that's what he does. So you always have to be asking that question. What is this leading me to? More of me or more of him? It'll help you know if it's the Holy Spirit or just something inside of you. So Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be our divine and personal companion. He's personal. And that's an amazing, beautiful thing. The last word in that sentence is companion. He is truly our companion. It says in John 14, 7, Jesus says, but I tell you the truth is to your advantage, your profit is to your benefit that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, it's better for me to leave than to be with you. If Jesus looked at you and me and said, would you like me to live in your guest room or the Holy Spirit to live in your heart, which would you prefer? He's saying, pick the Holy Spirit in your heart. It's to your advantage, it's to your profit to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. What this means is that there's never been a better time in the history of the world to be alive as a Christian. To be someone who follows God, today is the day you wanna be on planet earth. Jesus walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, beautiful. As they parted the Red Sea, as God parted the Red Sea, he was with them in the cloud and in the pillar of fire, God was with his people. Jesus walked on planet earth with dirty feet in sandals with his disciples. Those all sound amazing. But what Jesus is saying is today is better. Right now is better. To have the Holy Spirit with you, in you, advocating for you, coming alongside you is better than me walking beside you on planet earth. It's better. There's never been a better time to be alive and to know the Lord. It is to our profit. It is better. It is to our advantage. So as our divine and personal companion, we can truly have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can talk directly to him. Holy Spirit, help me in this conversation. You can ask him for help. You can ask him for guidance. I know one thing I did years ago, like decades ago, was I would ask the Holy Spirit to help me know, remember, and understand God's word. I remember him asking him that over and over again. If I'm going to invest time into God's word, help me remember it. Help me understand it. I felt like that's something God answered in my life. Like, I feel like it comes alive because the Holy Spirit helps me understand God's word. And he does that for all Christians who ask for help. He loves to answer that prayer. The Holy Spirit truly and actively counsels. He's personal, he guides, he empowers, he helps, he prays, he directs us. And we are called to be active in every part of that process. Ask for his guidance, ask for his leading. If you're walking with him, acknowledge that he's beside you. Ask God to make himself clearly present in your life, in and through the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, our divine and personal companion. I want you to know this also. 
if he is going to be a loving and good companion, it doesn't mean that he's gonna make everything easy for you. A good counselor, advocate, parakletos, helper, is going to take you through some hard moments, through some difficulties to grow you and to change you. I remember back in college, me and a couple of guys decided we were gonna spend a night at a church. We asked them if we used their church. And we just spent the night praying together and then getting some time alone. I still remember there's just these moments where we were praying by ourselves and I was on the carpet between a couple of pews. I just felt the Holy Spirit on me, like pushing on me, like you have not been open and honest with your brothers. I had lost someone very close to me when I was in high school and it caused me to kind of close up. I was nervous to get close to people because I know how much it hurt to lose those people. So what I did in response is I just kind of withdrew. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're done with that. And like, it caused tears, not, not like a tear, but like ugly tears. And like, so I was laying there with ugly tears, making some noise, being pushed by the Holy Spirit. And that moment changed me. I then went to some of my friends, my brothers, and I confessed that. They held me accountable to that. And the Holy Spirit helped change me. Some of the things I learned in that moment is the Holy Spirit knows everything about me. Things that only God knows. The Holy Spirit personally loved me enough to show me where I needed to grow and then led me to change. The Holy Spirit did not leave me in those moments. I felt his comfort. I felt his direction. I felt his presence in my tears. And like a strong and gentle companion, I felt his love. I felt his presence while also feeling his correction and his conviction. Both of those things are true. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to be our divine and personal counselor. Let's lean in. Let's be people who walk through life directed and led by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. We come before you, Father, and we're so thankful for who you are, for sending your son. Jesus, thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to us, that he might live inside of us, that he is divine, that through you, Holy Spirit, we can get to know Jesus better. And Jesus, you reveal the Father to us. Though we won't understand perfectly the Trinity, may we lean in relationally and know you intimately. Do that work in us, in Christ's name, amen. For more information, visit us at biblecenterchurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center. 